Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this month's episode of the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, and so excited to be with you again, bringing you yet another incredible role model. And this month, I'm super excited because I get to bring you a very dear friend of mine, Jan Goss. She is the founder of Civility Consulting, which we're going to dive into, but she is also an executive consultant. She's a coach. She's a mentor for women, a champion of women, and just not afraid to talk about anything. So we are going to dive in with Jan. Welcome to the show. Really happy to have you here. Thank you, Melinda. It's my pleasure to be here. No telling what kind of trouble we're going to get into today. (laughs) I hope a lot. (laughs) I want to start off like I start off every week because I just think it's so fun. What was your big dream when you were growing up? What did you think you were going to be when you were a little girl? Oh, my. Okay, this is going to go out public. So now everyone's going to know that this is true. And you'll be able to put the pieces together to see how this came together in my life. There were two things, Melinda, I was torn I was so torn about what I wanted to be. One was a rock star. I used to sing into my brush and put it all out on stage. I mean, I wanted to be on stage, putting it all out there. And the other thing I wanted to be was a nun. Oh, boy. So I think I kind of ended up being a rock star nun or a nun (laughs) rock star or something like that. But I knew I had a spiritual component to my life. I thought that would be the coolest thing to go like live and just be silent. Can you imagine me being silent? But to just be quiet and just connect with God and like just be in that space. I thought that would really, really be cool. And this was even before. What's the, the Whoopi Goldberg movie? All the nuns <laughs> and they're all singing and doing their whole. Exactly. Like, yes, that so could have been. Ahead of your time. You could have written that script, right? I'm telling you, I think my life looks a little like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've done so many different things. I love to just look at sort of these winding paths because I think that sometimes people feel like, oh gosh, I'm not on the right path or what if I don't find the right thing or what's my life going to look like? You know, I have to be here. This is pretty darn windy. So tell me about it. (laughs) Well, my life has been in technicolor. So if you're looking for a black and white story, that certainly isn't mine. I was definitely what I call a late bloomer. I created four successful companies after the age of 40. So I didn't bloom until way later in life. And honestly, I'm not sure that I've bloomed yet. I think I'm still blooming as I go along. But I always was fascinated with business. I loved making money from the time I was a little bitty girl, sweeping sidewalks. I mean, I would just do anything to make money. I liked how it made me feel. And then I would go to church and I would dump it all out and put it in the offering and give it all away. That was a telltale sign as well. But as I grew up, I was fascinated with business. And so I went to college when I was young and then I ended up going back and studying international business. And then went on to the Protocol School of Washington in D.C. and graduated from there and came back to Austin. And I had a vision to really speak into the lives of professionals and help them with what we call then best practices or protocols or, you know, how to really show up well in the marketplace. So I came back to Austin and started the Austin School of Protocol which morphed into civility consulting when I got my first nationwide contract in 2012. And I went nationwide as civility consulting. And then it just kept growing and morphing from there. 
But really, my heart is with leaders because where do leaders go? Melinda, where do they go when they need an outside ear or outside eyes? There's nowhere to go because you're at the top. Absolutely. I want to dive into that kind of the protocol because I remember so distinctly when I first, I don't know if it's when I first met you, but this is when I first got to know you. (laughs) And we were in Dallas, Texas at Women Network Conference. And I remember we were doing a pre-party before the event in somebody's room, you know, having a few cocktails. (laughs) And I hear hands clapping. Everybody, everybody, you know, getting attention. And there is Jan Goss standing on the bed in the middle of this hotel room, getting everybody's attention. And I was like, who is this? And you started talking about, okay, how are we going to enter this room? And sort of own our power. And I don't know your exact words, but this is the, what I got from it. You know, and I can still remember it today. And, and I was just thinking, I mean, no one's ever asked me and I never thought about and of course, you know, fast forward all these years and, and just doing so much in the women's space. And I know that it's really hard for women. Like, how do you walk in the room with that confidence? Sometimes it is some basic etiquette things in, in business, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. cultural things, sometimes it's your own sense of self-worth and your own sense of power. So I'd love for you just to kind of dive in because I know that you don't exclusively work with women, but you mostly women and that's your specialty, your secret sauce. What really draws you to work with women? And what do you Mm -hmm. see some of those things that are holding women back? First, I want to clarify that enthusiasm and drunkenness can look very much the same. I want to just clarify. (laughs) Oh, maybe a little most. Okay. Passionate (laughs) and enthusiastic. And you you want to be the rock star, you know, with your brush in your hand. Um, I just want to say that it can look like drunkenness sometimes. So in answer to your question, The bottom line is this, all success comes from connecting, all success. It may come from connecting with yourself or maybe with a higher power or a higher purpose, or it comes from connecting with others, but all success in life comes from some kind of connection. And every connection begins with a first impression. So if we blow it in that first five seconds, chances of connecting are slim. So the premise for civility consulting is if we can focus on that first five seconds of every interaction, just focus on that piece and make a really great impression. It's like a handprint that we put on every person that we meet. When we come into someone's presence, they leave with one or two thoughts, either I'm impressed or I'm not impressed. (laughs) It's like that is the impression. And so if we can, especially as women, pay attention to how we show up, just get in touch with how we're showing up in this world and show up as who we really are. That's the key. And that's the work that I do with people. Just for our listeners today, I mean, I know some of this runs so deep, but if you were just to give three quick tips about you're, you're at a conference, how do you walk into it? Because we've all seen the women who walk into a room and you're like, who is that? Because they do, but I, that's the more rare, right? Where you yes. following her as she walks in because that confidence, like, I mean, does that come naturally to some people or do you, you know, how do you learn that behavior? How do you learn to put that off? Good question. And, you know, I think it does come more naturally to some people, which just totally ticks me off. It's like, that's not even fair, but it can be a learned behavior as well. 
The number one thing that I'll give you, and this is not from me, this is straight from the Protocol School of Washington. Just as an aside, I went to school with ambassadors and diplomats and the presidential staff. So this is the highest level of training that you can get in our country today. And when you're an ambassador and you're going into a tough situation, you have to learn some skills. So that's the skill level that I'm talking about bringing to the table. And the number one skill that changed my life, Melinda, that I learned at the Protocol School of Washington was this. This is a protocol and it seems so simple, but it's act as if you belong. Act as if you belong. If you've ever been to a party or to an event, to a gathering, and you walked in, you knew you were invited, but when you walked in, you were like, I do not belong. <laughs> like I am in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's just the worst feeling to feel like you don't belong. So the premise of this particular protocol is this, that anywhere we go in life, we go because somehow we were invited on some level we were invited. I was invited on this podcast today. So I can show up as if I belong. Even if I walk into Whole Foods, for an example, walk into a grocery store, they have opened the doors to the public and invited us in. And so everywhere we go in life, if you think about it, we go because on some level we were invited. So when you show up, it's an attitude it's a thought process. It's a way we can prepare in advance to walk in going, you know what? I belong here. It shifts the way we show up. Very, very powerful. Talk about this mindset and mindset is so incredibly important. In fact, I got this book a long time ago and I've just been reminded to reread it and it's by Carol Dweck and it's called Mindset. How do you put your mind in a place? Mm -hmm. We have power over that, but it actually is a practice. Yes. As much confidence as I sort of naturally have. Two years after COVID, I walk in a little shy places, but I walk in feeling a little, you know, because we're not used to that. When you talk about it, it really is about putting your, your mind in this place and knowing that you belong. You know, that's really important. It's kind of like the, uh, the power pose, right? You go and you exactly a Wonder Woman power pose before you walk in. But I love the fact that, you know, if you're in a place where it would look a little weird doing your power pose, <laughs> say, I belong here. Yes. And being in the personal development space where I've been for the last 40 years of my life, one of the things that I think we fail to do is just brush up on things we already know. So I'm confident as well. But you know what? The last couple of years, Melinda, has taken a little hit on my confidence. We can go through what I call life tsunamis. You know, the tornadic winds come and they blow. And sometimes we get knocked down. We get knocked off of our horse. And I don't know why it's so difficult for us to admit that, wow, I need a little help. We all need help. We all need to brush up on things and be reminded of what we already know. It's not a one and done thing. Confidence, showing up well learning how to connect, you know, learning networking skills. It could even be dining skills. You know, it's like, oh, I already know that. That is a trap. You know, I'd love to, you know, touch on this a little bit more because I know you had really, really hard times and there, you know, there was a lot that we didn't see, but wow, just how authentic you were. 
And I think there are probably a lot of people that have gone through a tragedy. What were the tools that you used? Here's one of the things I am forever grateful for as Rick died. It's actually been two years ago this month that he died suddenly. And my whole world was turned upside down. And I'm so grateful that I had these tools in what I call my toolbox, my emotional toolbox, my spiritual toolbox, my mental toolbox, because I've been teaching for years. I did a show up well boot camp to, you know, help us show up well on a daily basis. And when you teach something, it really becomes a part of you. And I really realized as another tsunami came through my life that this stuff works. And if it doesn't work, who needs just more information or rhetoric or what someone else thinks about something? Like, I'm so over all of that. What I want is when the rubber meets the road, when your husband dies suddenly, when a divorce happens that you were not expecting, when you have financial ruin hit you or you, know, you lose a job or a friendship or whatever the loss may be, I want what works. And that's what I can say about even what we bring at Civility Consulting. This stuff works. The message that's so important is if you are in practice, you know, a tragedy in your personal life, a success, it really does go across the board. And I want to pivot because now we're going to talk about sex and money. Woohoo! My two favorite <laughs> subjects. Just kind of to touch on, you know, why you wrote this book. Like, what was the inspiration? Good question. You know, I love business. As I said, I love success in business. To me, if we keep things basic, chances of your success are going to go way up if you just keep some basic protocols and things in place. But what I saw, I was watching mostly women because I work mostly with women with a few exceptions, but I was watching women build these multi-million dollar businesses and their home life was falling apart. And what good is that? It just didn't make sense. And one day it clicked in my head. I thought, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. What if we took the best practices that we're using in business and applied them in our interpersonal relationships? So for an example, what if you actually spoke to your spouse or significant other the way you would your most important client. Oh, wait a minute. What if we started treating them and wooing them and marketing to them the way that we would that big fish, the whale, this is the client I want or the pitch that I want to make. What if we actually treated this other person in our life that way? What would happen in our personal life? So I began experimenting. Rick was a very lucky man. He was a very, very lucky man <laughs> because I began bringing best practices in an intentional way into my marriage. And it was so beautiful what happened. So I put it in a book form. And making, you know, people feel special and feel mm -hmm. wanted and feel like they're worth this effort and yes. showing up your best always, because that's to your point, that's how you show up for a customer. We do it in business every day. And then we come home and kick the cat and scream at our kids and our husbands, you know, or whatever it is. It's bringing it back into the home. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now let's pivot to 
money? Because this is something that you've kind of recently just workshopping on, Mm -hmm. diving into. And I noticed, you know, when you talk about like showing up well, showing your best self, you know, being kind of wooing. I just went to your workshop. Those are the same kinds of things you talk about. Same thing relationship with money. And, you know, I think that a lot of people might think, okay, this is a conversation like, you know, how do I make more money or how do I do that? You know, and I'm not saying that that's not a piece of the conversation, but the group that we have really, most people didn't need to make more money per se. Right. Why do I have this wacky relationship with money? And how is that actually holding me back? How is that causing me anxiety? What are you seeing? Well, women are scared to death of money. For the most part, that's a blanket statement, but there's so much fear around money and so many women stay in relationships because that's their source. They think of income. There's a lot of thought processes around money. They're jacked up. That's what they are. They are just messed up. And most of my adult life was spent in financial pain. I told you I'm the slow class. Like I'm the slow class in life. I arrived to the party, but I usually come a little late but at least I get there. And so it wasn't really until my 50s, kind of late 40s, the light started going on, but really I was in my 50s when the light bulb actually came on how all of this integrates and works together. And how this happened was I was actually in the middle of a divorce and I needed a very large sum of money to take care of some things with the IRS like immediately. And it came down to the wire. And I was like 24 hours away from this deadline that I had to have this money to the IRS. And so I went to go see a woman who had taught some things about money. And she had me do this exercise that you know about, because now I use it in my practice all the time. And that was to write a letter to money. And I wrote this letter to money. And then I had money write a letter back to me, which she didn't say to do that, but that's just kind of the way it worked for me. But it began this kind of dance between me and money. And as I began to personify money and think of it more as an entity, as a person is how I had to look at it in my head, I began to heal my relationship with money. But the miraculous thing is once I wrote that letter to money and released that, Melinda, God is my witness. Within 24 hours, I had every bit of the money that I needed. So I knew I had tapped into, I was like, hold on, like this doesn't just happen. Money doesn't just fall out of the sky like this. And so I wanted to know more about it. So I really began learning about different modalities around money. And I know we're in Texas and this sounds so California-ish. But I really began clearing out my energies around money. And all energy is, is it's my thoughts, my attitudes, my my belief systems around money. And I began to actually look at it and rip it apart and go, you know what? This doesn't serve me anymore. This doesn't serve me. Oh, this will serve me. And it healed my relationship with money. So that's how it began was with me. What I think is so fascinating about this, and, you know, I'll I'll just share that I was having a lot of anxiety. Finally, I I actually came to this epiphany, like, why am I worried about money all the time? And I couldn't figure it out. And like, I'm sort of, it was was making me angry and it was making me frustrated and it was making me anxious and all the things. And I had this mentality. I was always like, Ooh, we can't afford that. Ooh, we can't. And I don't really even know why. 
And I did have this epiphany and it was right when I ended up seeing you again. But what struck me so much is that the other women that were in the room, they were just like me. These aren't women who exactly didn't have success. They all had businesses. I mean, literally they had plenty of money. Far more successful, <laughs> right? And, and it wasn't anything about, oh my gosh, I'm panicked. I don't have any money. It's this weird relationship like with this anxiety. And I do think it holds you back. That's the part that was most fascinating to me is that I think that this goes back to this, when you look at this imposter syndrome, right? Which is how to use it as a blanket statement. It affects all aspects, right? It affects you in the bedroom sometimes, you know, in your relationship about money. And then it all goes back to this mindset. So I think that just so many of these tools and these practices so good. are critical. Yes. And really what, what I do, whether I'm consulting, whether I'm doing the energy of money or the energy of confidence or whatever it is, it's a five-pronged approach. You know this. We start with desire. It's like, what do you want? Identification of what we want, especially as women, we don't think about what we want. We're worried about what everyone else wants and how we're going to take care of everything else. Defining that takes time and it takes space. So that's one of my favorite things to do is create what I call a sacred space and provide the time. So you can just think about what you want. What do you want about money? What do you want about love? What do you want in business? But desire is the starting point of all achievement. Napoleon Hill said that. And then we want to look at purpose. Once you get clear about your purpose for money, or this was true for me, when I realized there were only two reasons I want money and to this moment. I want money, number one, because it makes life better. And number two, to do good works. And that's it. And once I got clear about my purpose, this is my why, and it's good. And I can go at it now with the eye of the tiger knowing it is good to go for money. And that just shatters all kinds of beliefs. It gets rid of all kinds of negativity because I'm clear about my purpose. And then the third prong is faith. And faith that looks like this. It's the answer to this question. Is it possible? Is it possible for you to make that kind of money? Has anyone else ever done it? Is it even possible? Of course it is. So to live in that possibility or what I call faith, stay in possibility. And then the fourth prong is inspired action, not just action. A lot of coaches and consultants, they teach action. Well, I've watched action, people running on that hamster wheel. It's not always just action. It's what I call, you get the tap on the shoulder. Wait for the tap on the shoulder. Wait for the inspired action. It's going to be so much more effective. But then I have to show people how to listen. <laughs> it's a process. And then the last thing is, the last prong is gratitude. Be so grateful for what you do have now, for the money you do have now, for the love you do have now, the relationships, the business, whatever it is, look at what you do have rather than what you don't have and focus in on that. And that five-pronged approach works with love and with money and maybe with sex. I might find out one day. I don't know. <laughs> Gratitude, I think is so incredibly important. And I've been in so many discussions, even was at a conference last week and we were talking about abundance versus scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. When you start having these discussions, it all ends up in what your gratitude practice is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's like this big circle of life because I think when you're in that gratitude practice, you feel pretty powerful. 
it's oh, so good. So I'm probably going to show up better. Yes. And walk in because I'm like, I have all this stuff that I'm grateful. I, I am a, I'm a badass. I can, exactly. Is, oh, amazing. Amazing stuff. Well, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you, where to download your book on uh, mm-hmm. show up well in the bedroom. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a free download at bedroometiquette.com. You heard it here. Bedroometiquette.com. Read it. And what I do ask is for me giving it to you for free. I want to hear back from you about how it shifted things for you. I want to know that this is changing couples and it's changing lives. That's important to me. The impact is what I'm after. So that's important. And then you can always reach me at jan at civilityconsulting.com. I love to hear from people. We do have some energy of money VIP days coming up and June we're kicking off a confidence camp that's about the energy of confidence, about tapping into that inside of you. So lots of exciting things coming up. Thank you so much. I just appreciate you sharing so authentically. Not that I'm surprised because you always say <laughs> it's really awesome. And I think that you bring that out in others. And I think that's your secret sauce. That's your magic is that you feel that safe place to be able to be vulnerable doing this kind of work. So thank you for doing that. And I know you have lots of cool things coming up. So we'll be watching and see what you do next. All right. Thank you so much, Melinda. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.